Good evening, citizens. My name is Ban Shattersong, former captain of the Bloody Hands Mercenary Company. Some people, and this is actually a fact, refer to me as the man, the myth, the legend, Ban Shattersong. Part of that is going to be our theme for tonight's episode, uh, specifically Empire slash Anvil myths, stories, and legends. Some of them are true, some of them are false, some of them are outright lies, and some of them are funny across all three segments. Helping me in my quest across the field is my dear chum, also from the Black Scar Thornborn, Reese. Reese, say hello. Hello, I'm uh, Reese, also known as Singwin Longest Path. Fantastic. And uh, how long have you been LARPing? Uh, my Empire is actually my first and currently only main LARP, and I've been doing it since 2015, so about six to seven years, including the long, dark sort of gap. Nice. Plenty of uh, frontline hours inside Anvil to, uh, well, Sniff too much out time in the uh, yeah, too much time in the uh, anvil ship posting mythos, presumably mm. for my liking. So that'll be perfect for today's sort of topics. And were you a member? That's what. So, dear listeners, I had a we had a little discussion before jumping on, and there was uh, something I couldn't remember, and I was hoping I would, and I've just remembered it. Do you remember the was it the Empire LARP meme page? Oh, you mean damp damp dank Empire LARP memes? That was it. Yeah. Yes, I do remember it. Right, we'll add that to the uh, add that to the agenda as well. Oh well, yikes! That's a that's a throwback. Yeah, it's cause... not even Thursday. Because <laughs> it came, lasted a little while, then died, and I don't know much more about it. So, oh, I can I can regale about a few things about that and why it went down. So, fantastic! And see see everyone. That's exactly why I've got Reese on, and that is going to be the. Uh, I guess the theme and the um, flow for this episode. Talk about some myths. Are they true? Are they false? But then also any wider implications they've had as well. And I don't know, is this a mixture between a history documentary, but also 24 hours Fox News, I guess. Peddling these no. rumours that might not even be true in the first place. Well, that's why I'm going to put any blame solely on Ban in this case. Yeah, I also... Blame Ban. He's a he's a separate legal entity. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right then. So the categories we've got for tonight are quick fire, backstory, actual legends and myths, knives, twenty four hour news, and then a final little note that I hope you'll all enjoy once we get there. All right. Let's start with the quick fire ones. First one on our list is <laughs> it's, it's in a, it's in speech quotes here. Find us at insert location at insert time. Reese, myth, story, or legend? I mean, it's uh, it's pretty much all three in one because you know, first of all, it's a myth that you will ever find someone at the location that they say they're going to be at the right time because this is Anvil. Basically, three hundred million things happen. The legend aspect to it is it actually happens for once. And the stories <laughs> is, oh, I was on that way to the location before I got mugged. <laughs> it's an enabler, but it never actually serves its purpose. There are, exactly. I think there's a couple of exceptions where like, there's a static tent and they say, come and find us on Saturday at this fixed location, but won't move. That is within 
arm's reach of this conversation we're having now. I feel like that's. I think that's... anything that's yeah, I think anything that like the hub, etc., anything that's PD orientated is going to be very easy to fix. So yeah. any, anything player related, however, absolutely, yeah. Go and vote at the hub on Saturday before four. Eighty percent of people will get that. There's still twenty percent of people where four o'clock comes shockingly quickly, and uh, they will they will not be there in time. But yeah, player led things, especially if it's mobile. Come find me. I'll be on a bar crawl this evening. You will never see oh, that person no, again. No, that's just not going to happen. It's an impossibility to try and find someone in the middle of a bar crawl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they say, "Oh, we're going for drinks. We'll find you later." Like, no, you won't. No, you won't. <laughs> it's just I? to fly. Um, <laughs> second, um, all of these are relatively related. Uh, I'll be back, or they'll be back in ten minutes. I mean, they will be back in ten minutes, but it's ten minutes according to their time, which is about three hours for the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, it's generally the case that they'll be back in ten minutes. Is often done when they're trying to do something busy, like, and they'll just disappear and never turn up again. Mm. Which is, uh, yeah, that's a that's a hundred percent just stories about going away for 10 minutes and suddenly someone's being jobbed because they've been away an hour or someone's died or uh, oh, we'll I need a physic up. now I'll be 10 minutes <laughs> yeah, I need a physic now, I'm bleeding out Yeah, I'll go grab you one and then just disappear it's like, oh, okay <laughs> I, um, I do have a, a legend to share, this actually happened correctly to me at the end of E4 mm. so uh, the big event in the VART at the moment is that we are going into the Valorn of the Kellyanne for the first time, thanks to some magical onion soup. I'm, I'm quoting, that's not sarcastic. Anyway, the um, a, uh, a bait was essentially going to cast a ritual on my resource, get it buffed into a military unit, and I was going to go and help out with this, this campaign. Now I turn up looking for said person, and they say, oh, you know, one of their friends says, oh, uh, they'll be back in 15 minutes, uh, we'll see you then. And I was like, cool, this is never happening. Now, for argument's sake, because I always like to, you know, pr prove the point, right? Because often you come back after, said, 15 minutes. They're not back, but they've been back and gone somewhere else, so you're slightly closer to finding where they are. Yep. I came back, and he just arrived 30 seconds before me. Oh, and we wow. sat down okay. and we did the ritual. It went off without oh. a hitch. Are you sure you uh, didn't like see any sort of signs or omens on the way there? Like, no swarm of black cats entered and jumped across the field? L literally or, uh... none. It was logistics. It worked well. Oh, well. It's, uh, it's one of the stories of Anvil working for once. Yeah. Now, that has only happened once in, well, seven years of four events each. Yeah, that's the odds are low, considering the number of interactions and people I've tried to talk to, but uh, it, it is technically possible. But I think for the most part, when someone says it to you, it's a myth. It's an immediate myth. Yes, it is It is a semi-near-immediate myth, apart from the one occasion where it's actually happened. Yeah. But, you know, you know, myths always got a grain of truth in them at some point, yeah, as this they is, always say. This is the little grain of sand on this beach of lies and deceit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the next one we've got is kind of the same, but I'll be right back is equal to never seen again. Number of people are, I'll be right back, I'm just doing X, and you see them a day later. Um, Anyone with a hat is 100% on that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just just because of pure logistics and how much they've got. It doesn't even matter how big the hat is. They usually go, oh, I'll be right back, and they've just disappeared. 100% happens to senators and anyone in the sort of upper echelons. Yeah. There's even uh, some of the more minor ones, like the, uh, the Navarre have got a, a, a dredge master of the Therunin docks. Or do- I can't remember what the actual lake is the called. Fever water. Thank you. Fever water docks. And um, they get something like four ingots of iron every event green iron like, that that's was it. the case but yeah it, it was but like, it, was, it was pointless and well semi-pointless because it's it's barely any money cool bit of plot if something happens which it did but anyway even even someone like that when it's you know, comparatively very little they still get pulled into things and you know they say i'll be right back i'm dealing with something else and they will never come back yeah, you just play sad, uh, sad sonnets as they disappear into the distance and mm. never to return again. I don't, know hungry. Could, I don't know what you could do, like, to actually combat this. Like, a notice board with, like... You... Collar and a leash. Yeah, a collar, a collar, <laughs> a leash, and, like, a, a radar. Just, <laughs> just microchip. Treat them like, like your household cat, just microchip any, all of you. Anyone with a hat must get like put on this and they can't go more than 15 feet away that's all they're allowed to do <laughs> the only, no, you're never going to combat the i'll be right back problem because unfortunately the anvil field is far too busy in terms yeah. of things that you could get wrapped up in so it is pretty much a myth of story legend that's all whacked into one i don't know you could put them all in a cage and bring the things to them you'd have to create <laughs> that's, a separate that's not, that's not how this game works <laughs> Just put every single hat in a cage, and then civil service members bring them food and the required resources. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how it works. (laughs) Also, I'd rather have them thunderdomed, so... Ah, true. (laughs) What what have we got next, then? I think Uh, it's quite similar, the same thing. I'm just popping to Conclave. It's fun. Um, As a mage, tell me, Reese, is that remotely accurate? I mean, it depends on how dry the night is, to be honest. There are times where a conclave can actually be semi-fun, or very much a like, dramatised reading. Um, but, yeah, there are, there are times where it is just literally dry mage politics, and it's like, oh, it is fun, as I'm slowly nursing my second bottle of mead. Uh, <laughs> is that second inside the tent? That's second inside the tent, yes, that's oh, correct. I already had two beforehand to prep me to get my co- my courage, my virtuous courage enough up <laughs> to get inside that tent. <laughs> just imagine all this mage just staggering through the portal, just leaning against the side of the tent, just hoping it's going to be that's over why you operate. That's why you operate the portal like early, do- early doors on a Friday, because you don't have to do it for the rest of the event then. You just mutter some words and then fall through the portal. <laughs> Let me the fuck in. Slap. <laughs> I mean, this is appropriate role-playing. It's an incantation. Let me the fuck in, portal. Operate portal. <laughs> Technically works. Hippity hoppity, let me the fuck into your property. Hippity hoppity, if you don't open, I'm gonna burn you down, Reggio. Operate portal. Yeah. Eopity. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> Mage politics. You, you just, yeah. It, I'm popping into Conclave. It's fun. 100%. Actual, factual, depending on what you uh, roleplay as. Alright. Um, next up, going to Moorish, I'll be 10 minutes. 40 in the queue. <laughs> yeah, d- at least. 
Like, no. just going to grab breakfast at Moorish. We'll be back in 20 minutes. Like, especially free battle. Like, I think people... Oh. I think people... There is a special type of people who goes to Empire uh, who are doing their own battles. So we'll say you're, uh, you're PCing the battle and assume that they can go get a Moorish about nine, any time past nine o'clock and assume they're not going to be there for 40 minutes. Yeah. Like, this is a very special type of people who not to realize that everyone else has got the same universal <laughs> idea. <laughs> Breakfast at nine, I'll be, you know, back at ten and ready by ten. Like, no, no, you won't. No, you won't. It's just a lie. Abject lie. False. Myth. Um, next up... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not angry at all. Um, next up, sitting in a corner in the forge will get you plot. It's so half and half, really. Depends on how packed the forge is. But at the same time, the majority of the forge is, from my own recollection, is usually filled with people playing music and then just enjoying and having a good time. So Yeah, a lot of bands and like larger groups in there as well. Mm. I find so you it... Could, you you oh, could sorry, get some plot, but I would probably lean against it to not because not the majority of people are probably out at the icy bars etc yeah i think getting actual serious plots you know pd or player driven almost zero percent in there um i feel like getting approached by people who take on a bar crawl likely yeah I whether mean, you all... can that as plot is another issue entirely I mean, you, you, this is the some the semantics of the situation is what you would you define as plot, and I mean we're not going to be sitting here doing that because uh, everyone's plot is different. Yeah, I'm kind of imagining it like uh, Aragorn Strider kind of archetype in uh, oh, yeah, in the uh, Fellowship of the Ring, going off on a grand adventure, getting with a big big plot, movies yeah. and shakers sort of thing. It's not going to happen in the Forge, mm, but you might get inducted yeah. into a March of football team. Oh yeah, that's a good plot. Yeah, that yeah. To be fair, that's the important plot. It's the important. That's the plot that matters. Yeah, right. that's the plot that will shape the empire as we see fit. Exactly, the football team. Yeah, we need we need to form one. Actually, there needs to be a league. Oh no! So no, we're not turning this into the fucking empire equivalent of Blood Bowl. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Anvil, but Anvil Bowl would be good. It, it would, would be, be good. good. Yeah, and like for. Off topic here. I'm going to take the first hit on going off topic, but s like sport at Anvil, I I feel like it would be a very interesting thing because you've got loads of fencing, archery, like combat based sports, right? But um, but the ball. A, yeah, I think there's a, a lack of actual genuine sport. Well, I said genuine. I mean non-combat related sport, as you said, like with football. Like there, any, there is some violent elements to football ball because it's equivalent to like 1900s football, if I remember correctly, which is yeah. the, everyone basically gangs in and tries to get the football and therefore you have the whole situation of kicking the living shit out of people. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, definitely a lack of it. I could see a few types of games being made up, but then it, it's like a weird tangent. It goes from combat-related stuff all the way down to card get card and board games. At that point, then, there's no real happy medium of actual, like, non-aggressive sports. So, yeah, because I haven't maybe seen... we should start golf. <laughs> that would... <laughs> you might just this lap safe. Lap a small safe. rock just lands in the middle of this road, and then all these players run over and start excitedly talking about it with their notepads out making just pointing at the sky and drawing arcs and going all oh, very good and then someone walks over with a peculiar well a very peculiarly shaped 
hammer <laughs> yep. struts in and we treat them like some kind of gold star. I feel like that could instead kick of off. Crying, instead of crying for, you're crying vigilance. <laughs> vigilance. <laughs> Just large rock lands. <laughs> rock lands on you, yeah. <laughs> oh, what's it? Um, Alice in Wonderland, the little uh, sort of um, N-shaped, okay. yeah, metal croquet. That's it. Yeah, I felt like that yeah, could that... that could be interesting. Like, imagine you're walking by the Navari entrance and there's just people playing croquet, five rings Dawn for a quick game. Cro- I think cro- I think Dornish would be a croquet thing. Mm. Fair, very flowery on the uh, entrance ways. Could do it overnight at one time uh, in the stealth dead of night and turn the glory square into a croquet pitch. That would be pretty hilarious. It'd be a really interesting garden sport. I feel like garden sport. Bowls as well would be interesting. Bowls would be quite well. Or the tank as well. Mm. But you naturally would need the sort of setting for it as well. And, you know, you're not going to really turn Anvil Field into a bulls field in like less than a few days. That's where you're wrong, kiddo. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I've I've seen. I mean, I've personally even brought card and board games and liars dice that kind of thing. It's it's quite rare you get to play them. It's it because you need tables, lots of people. Well, I say relatively lots of people. Let's say four plus, in the same space with a flat surface to roll. You need good light, that kind of thing. It's relatively hard, but I feel like garden garden sports could actually take off. Yeah, I yeah I could see that, especially during the day. That this uh. It uh, does relate to our good old few first uh, elements of this thing about how there's so much plot. If you take up an hour of your day playing icy ball, so you're not doing something other than that with your limited time. So, you know, it's all FOMO stuff at that point. Yeah, true. Depends if you start pitching it a bit like Gin Club and say, ah, have you been invited to the croquet team? Croquet <laughs> <laughs> club. Should we um should put those uh all oh, like the trubly hats on and start just hanging out at the entrance to various tents going, Ah, would you like to play croquet, sir? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That would, sounds uh... like an elaborate scam or an actual good time. Either way, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be fun. Yeah. Um speaking of things always being fun, the final part on the <laughs> what was meant to be quick fire, but has currently lasted a mighty eighteen minutes. Um it's only like 15% when referring to people's homebrew. Um, <laughs> I, oh. I feel like most people are relatively accurate with their alcohol. However, the number of times I've mysteriously got smashed on homebrew is quite high. Yeah, as a homebrewer myself, I know I definitely do alcometer checks, but there are there are certainly individual like cases where you pick up something that's labelled as cider and is more akin to something... It's uh, sweet wine instead. Mm. Put it put it that way. Yeah, the meats think, as well. They can vary a lot. I think I think the most lethal part is uh, that people when it, we. I think the most lethal ones are the meats because they're the in between ones. So if you go for cider, if you make a cider that's stupidly strong, you know you've gone wrong. Like you know, or unless that's your intent to make a really strong cider. Same with spirits, you know you're brewing spirits to be quite strong. I don't think mead has that sort of aspect. You brew mead to try and taste it nice, and then it ends up being ridiculously strong. Mm. as just part of the fermentation process. So, 
that's all I have to add, really. It's a it's a myth, a story, and a legend all at once. Because you get smashed, you end up having the hangover, and then you try and find the alcohol again, and it's never sold again. So it becomes a myth. Right, oh, you, you find something you actually like for once. You're like, oh, well, I'm never finding that trader ever again. They're gone. Reminds me, it reminds me of Dragon's Piss, which was a really, really crap white wine that I absolutely adored. It was like... <laughs> 10 crowns uh 10 crowns 10 rings a bottle because it was basically vinegar at that point but i was so smashed i just went through like two three bottles of it <laughs> suckling away on a nice liter of piss exactly tf2 scout vibes <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> all righty that that ends the quick fire round um next up is around backstory and the uh i think one of the only the only few times people will ever care about not not to be rude, but I'm going to be rude. The only time people will care about your backstory is perhaps at your funeral. And our first point is how you get to your funeral. And our first point is competent battlefield commanders. Complete myth. Yeah, utter myth. Every think... single skirmish is a clusterfuck. Yeah, it's uh, there are. <clears throat> Right, then you, there are people who are competent at the the role of being a, a battlefield commander, right? And let's not knock that. It's like, you can be a competent battlefield commander, but the battlefield is probably just going to go haywire. So even if you got all your ducks in a row before you go on, the ducks are going to run free. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think you have the ability to micromanage. Unfortunately, LARPers do not have the discipline to hold a line for longer than five minutes, as long as they know that there's like three other rows of people behind them that they can either not run past because they're being in line, or can run past so they can pass the buck on who's getting hit. So, yeah, my two cents. And also, what's um, I think definitely, definitely, as the events have got bigger, what's really uh, shocked, surprised, appalled, whatever word you want to use, uh, me, is the lack of organization before we even go in anymore. Because before you'd have, um loosely you know let's say it's a 60 person skirmish you'd have probably about 100 people turn up but the first 60 get through but now because there's um different points of contact for each skirmish what's happening is the the brokerage of let's say 20 navar 20 dawn and 20 high guard for example that stuff is getting crazy because each group is bringing double to, they either bring five percent or double of what they need there's almost no in between and then when everyone's bringing double what they need, you end up with double for the total skirmish. So instead of the 100 at most, you have 120 at least. And then on top of that, when you try and organize those 20 to go through in different columns based on nation, what happens is that nation with their 40 just piles through. The next yeah. nation that goes through gets their original 20 and that's it. And then the third nation just gets nothing. And... Uh, yeah, it's it it's been a phenomena of the last I'd say six events. Started about six events ago, mildly, but then mm. it has accelerated and accelerated in its uh, severity. But uh yeah. Those kind of skirmishes are always clusterfucks because you go on, the commander immediately if <laughs> sorry, if the if the commander even gets on the skirmish, they immediately lose control of said skirmish because the forces they thought they had at their disposal are now gone. And instead you've got, <laughs> instead of, you know, 40 fighters and 20 healers slash scouts or otherwise, you've got 55 heavy knights, a single physic, and four vates. 
bearing in mind the mission is to cast a ritual on a Reggio while scouting the area, it's it can be quite difficult. But yeah, competent skirmishes perhaps is, is another myth. But uh, yeah, get, getting onto them could be a myth as well. It's very hard nowadays to actually get onto those uh, onto those fights. I don't know. I think we hit a nerve and bands immortal soul at this point. Yeah, that's a <laughs> rant. A rant. I'm gonna happily have my own episode for. No, it's fine. I mean, I can completely understand it. And the uh, uh, sort of touching back on the battlefield commander point is unfortunately with the delegation of certain specific skirmishes out to a loosely affiliated title, it might, whilst logistically it could make some sense, like if the holder of some sort of hat is dealing with a problem in that local area, then it gets allocated the hat to sort out the sort of skirmish as a whole, but in, in general terms this might be someone who has literally zero interest in dealing with the military side of the game or like the skirmish side of the game. They have a hat because it's something that did something for them and therefore have no experience in sort of going through that process of organizing skirmishes and it can be a quite a bit daunting oh it's ridiculously so, difficult yeah i, I actually yeah. despite my salt i actually believe pd have done the right thing given a clear point of contact for each skirmish and also giving it a lot of flavor text because each skirmish has the person talking to you is like right i personally own this and it's been looted by a load of druge i need you and 39 of your mates to go and beat the living shit out of the druge it you know for reason X Y and Z it, it it's pretty cool, but um, I feel what's really lost, really starts sorry really lost itself is the, uh, the actual teams going through because it's it's getting so big now it's hard to organise. I feel like uh, almost <laughs> do you remember like your old uh, like football or rugby coach they bring those cones, and they'll yeah, just yeah. cone out an area. I feel like coning out an area of like right, you stand here, you stand over there. Make a line between your people, right? That's that's the first wave, uh, and just doing it, doing something super super organised like that to actually address it. But of course, doing that is a lot of time, it's a lot of effort, and like you said, people might not even want to do it in the first place. Yes, it's a shame, but uh, hey ho! But also, <laughs> do you know what also helps competent battlefield commanders? Go on. Uh, Having people who are interested in their backstory. <laughs> oh yeah, back to the point. Yeah, um, Reese, have you ever asked somebody for their backstory? Uh, once or twice. How many Not people have you talked to in total? Um, in, in total, at Anvil, about five. <laughs> that's that's a lie. <laughs> that's that is a yeah. myth. <laughs> no. Um, right. So this is probably an important sort of aspect is a difference between asking for someone's backstory or asking for a point in someone's backstory. I don't think I've ever really asked, can you just tell me about yourself? Like as I flutter my eyelashes at someone, <laughs> you know, clearly trying to get a drink out of them or whatever. I don't think I've ever done that. I've, I may have asked like, you know, why are you so hell-bent on keeping this territory or why are you hell so hell-bent on like avenging your Siblings' death, or something like that. Or can you tell me how they died? But never like a full backstory. So no, I would say I've never actually asked the statement. Can you tell me more about your backstory? Because it's always something specific. Nice. I've um. Hmm. I'm gonna. I'll, I won't strain to the latter points here, but the only I've literally heard the sentence uttered once. Um. Mm. 
it was when I was walking past a couple of citizens. I don't think they knew each other. I think one was very keen on talking to the other, but the other one was not very keen on talking ah. to the former. And the former said, oh, can I tell you a little bit more about my family and where we've come from? And the other citizen, of course, goes, oh, no, sorry, I'm not interested. And the look of shock on this uh, the citizen's face was uh, was hilarious. Oh, <laughs> like bro, you bro, don't you, you don't want to listen to my carefully crafted PD approved back backstory. Oh well, that, that's that's a thing in its entirety. I mean, will PD actually ever read your backstory? No. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a, that's a myth. No, not even. I think uh, they. T Technically, I think they skim read them. I think in reality, there's that amount of play. I suppose, well, what sixteen thousand player characters have been created, but not necessarily played. Um, mm. I feel like we should test this, make it old, and just write something horrendous in the uh, <laughs> in the account, and just see if the account just gets banned or not. I think PD may, as you said, they may skim read, but at the same time, if the plot team are busy doing plot stuff, we can't expect them to vet every single one. So I'm thinking they just they look skim read someone if they see a problematic element that's completely in, not in keeping with the law, they might you know reject it or whatever they do and sanction the character, mm -hmm. um, or they might then go, you can't have this or throw an edit back or whatever. But I don't think that I haven't heard anyone at all ever had their backstory rejected. Mm. Mostly because people understand, you know, don't fuck with the rules effectively. <laughs> yeah, and those who don't understand that often, uh, well, don't come back. Don't come back. Yeah. Very basic. Obey the wiki. Pay for your ticket. Don't be a dick. Mm -hmm. Sorted. That's an ancient. That's an ancient myth I'm alluding to there, but we'll we'll leave that for we'll leave that for another time. Not on record. Uh, next up is the, well, it's related to parents. Uh, it's what, it was what I was going to mention earlier around the backstory I've encountered most is people going, oh, my parents are dead. And the point here mm. is my parents are dead slash a, a happy backstory. Happy backstories are a myth and dead parents are the stuff of legends. Like, can you imagine the, 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 the economic damage to the empire with all of these you know, we're all heroes, right? We're all people of import. We all own, we're all like oligarchs. We own mines, we own farms, that kind of stuff, right? Yep. <laughs> all of our parents are dead. What is What the fuck is happening to the generation I'm... above us, especially the wealthy? They've been purged. <laughs> what on earth well, has happened? <laughs> I mean, as a, as a player who currently has a character of a semi-tragic backstory... Uh, yeah, I can kind of understand where that comes from about my parents are dead. I know one, I've, canon, one of my parents is dead, the other one's missing. So yeah, I know, it's kind of like, where have they all gone? I can completely understand that the happy backstory is pretty much like a, a mythical thing at this point. Yeah. Because I don't think any, I don't think happiness breeds interesting plot. It's, it's the whole nuance if you leave the happy ending to the end of a life of someone and then you move on because conflict is good for creating good plot because inherently if someone's got like these issues or they've got 
uh, character is dead, for instance, like your parents are dead. Why are they dead? Well, the Jotun came and killed them, like, and that's the reason why I'm in Anvil. I've just inherited like a semi burnt down farm. You've <laughs> got like the plot hook motivations for your character's reasoning, and it's far better than. Oh yeah, my name's Dave. I've just come from Mitwald because my parents have sent me to Anvil to go sightseeing. How dare you? That's basically my backstory. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I know. I know your current your current iterations on yes. <laughs> yeah, the um, you make a really good point. The uh, the happy backstory doesn't generate much plot or intrigue or let's call it reason. But it does mm. generate a lot of really interesting conversations because the number of times I've said to people, oh, my parents live in uh, Miaran in Holt in the southeast. They're happily married. They're safe and sound. And yeah, I visit them when I go home. And <laughs> the smiles on people's at... faces. <laughs> people just look at you like, oh, this is this is something we need to protect. It's so rare. Yeah, but <laughs> what's also interesting is the amount of people that assume that Linda is simple in some way because of that, because my parents are alive and they're happy and they're fine and I go and visit them like a, you know, a good son should do. The number yes, of people who treat me like I'm five years old is incredible. I mean, we treat you like you're five years old already, Chris, don't worry. Yeah, but that, that's OC. We're talking about IC here, man. <laughs> <laughs> Look, no, the fact I, you had I... to spoon feed me on the way home from E4 doesn't bear any relevance to this conversation. I don't need... Oh, no. <laughs> the KFC has... discussion to work out for me. <laughs> but yeah, the, as you said, there is, like, there's a pro and con for it. Like, individual might be that uh, a happy backstory with some character might be quite interesting to see other players, like, interact with. And then you have the situation where if you're a happy backstory, you may not have the impetus or drive or, like, motivation to be so deep or passionate about your uh, roleplay. That's a complete, like, opinion, by the way, because there are probably our players who roleplay extremely good and passionate, like, happy characters. You realise uh, that this is entirely Fox News peddling yeah. opinion over fact kind of bullshit hour. I, I think, personally, <laughs> for a character, for me, I can draw upon sadder or, like, more uh, visceral emotions than I can happy emotions and play on them as a motivation. So... Mm. That's why my parents have tragic backstories, or there's a tragic reason behind it, because there's some like visceral element you can pull out into your roleplay to make it more authentic. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I can't really do that with happiness, because if I'm happy, you've seen me when I'm happy, I'm just a fucking shitlord, so you know. <laughs> Stop capering around on all fours, just giggling away. Mm. <laughs> Dancing to heavy gothic music. Oh, so, man, yeah. man. That video. Chef's kiss. Wow. <laughs> so, why is Throne useful? Uh, it's not. Well, it can be in certain situations. <laughs> no, I just, I'm going to take a hard, highly opinionated stand here as a marksman, right? Throne <laughs> is, uh, as we discussed uh, sort of off, off camera a little bit, uh, a little bit earlier before jumping on, it's, archery is already firing tenors at each other yeah. with maybe, I'd say like a 95% odds of getting that arrow back. It's actually pretty high. People will poo-poo that but I, I have had a really good record on my arrow if it's not broken. Yeah. The odds of getting your arrow back is probably around 65 to 70. Uh, because they get broken. But uh, the thrown weapons, the coolest little daggers, uh, the rocks, the bricks, all those lovely, lovely items where you just dream of having a sack of them. In, in reality, they're not coming back. 
especially if you use them on the battlefield. I think if you uh, if you throw a dagger on the main field, I think you've got maybe a forty percent or less chance of getting it back. It'll be recovered, but you won't get to it or it'll be in lost of the lost property. And it's like they they daggers seem to be very very unique if that makes sense. So they're yeah. very like they tend to be the same sort of design and style. I think if you throw a dagger inside the cops or inside the actual woods at the current site that we're at, <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you just 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 make sure you attach a five pound note to your dagger as you're throwing it, so you can actually visualize the money you are <laughs> wasting. Uh, because that's how I feel about it. I don't think thrown. I don't think thrown is a, a bad choice, by the way. I think there is there is certainly like any skill in this game, there is a use to it. Thrown could be useful. If there was still the whole damage aspect of if you could throw several daggers at the same time and cause three wounds, for instance, if you threw three daggers and three daggers hit, like that would be like solid, right? That's distance wise. You can make traps like tripwire when this bucket opens up and drops knives on you and you just you just drop yeah. to the floor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. However, because of the rule hit of you can take one global hit from one target per time if it's one individual throwing three daggers you're only going to take technically one hit according to the rules because yep. it's from one person if there's three people throwing three daggers at you different story but you know individually it's not exactly you know brass tacks yeah speaking of brass tacks actually um i do have a story uh, a myth some might say well no a legend perhaps mm. around a throne from e4 again uh this is second hand but essentially, a certain citizen told me that they saw a group of freeborn using thrown weapons behind shields. Nice. I, and they, I could... Oh, they, uh, what they did was they picked someone in the line opposite them, and uh, the three of them just pelted them with knives until they fell to the floor, rinse and repeat. And it was surprisingly effective. I mean, that does that sort of goes back to what the uh i just advised then if it's three people throwing three individual knives it could call three damage so you know go go for it it's 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 rules accurate so why not hmm. it's just an interesting fire, fighting style and the same with um it, it's just something you don't see very often so same with javelins um javelins you can use them it's part of the throne skill um i don't think i've ever i don't think i've ever seen a player a player use a javelin i've seen monsters use them but not a player I've seen one player in my lifetime use a javelin, and I've seen multiple monsters use it. However, mm. there is no actual benefit to using a javelin. That's the problem. It's like, if there was a differentiation between a javelin, say, if it hit a spear, it would cause a shatter on the spear, it would be 100% useful. Unfortunately, it's not. It just does one damage. It's so just give impale. You might as well just, yeah, you give him impale. Yeah, exactly. It'd be great. But, you know, unfortunately, you might as well just three throwing daggers at people. Yeah, because one big, like, wow, that's an elaborate way of getting one health point off me. Because uh, uh, it would be cool to see, like, a Roman, it's like a Roman legionary fight style. Yeah. Just eat a couple impales at them and then charge them point blank. Fun mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and then the final thing in the, uh, the, the more detailed backstory, um, the backstory of a certain Facebook page, uh, this being Dank Empire memes. So as far as I'm aware, it was, of course, a, an Empire meme page back 
back in the old age of dank memes being popular on Facebook. And uh, I feel cringe just saying saying it out loud. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, what happened to it? Like, what? How did it rise? How did it die? Well, I think Dank Empire memes was a um, product of just a different time in terms of laughing, right? So you had uh, the whole situation of Dank Empire memes, I believe, came about from just Empire shitposting, you know? People would make, you'd add enough people on Facebook, friends, like, from just general LARP, that you would end up being a situation where you could post a haha funny joke at something that happened at LARP, and enough people would hit the like button, and you'd get the endorphin rush to your brain. Um, <laughs> that sort of transpired and fell into the dank empire memes thing because people just wanted to make a group that Dylan would post silly jokes about things that happened at empire you know whatever like haha a, a representation of maybe the like freeborn navy and it's a ship underwater you know stuff yeah. like that um obviously we had 2019 it was going strong because you know e4 just happened in 2019 it kept going kept going you know then it ticked over to 2020, we had started start the long dark, you know, it's the same meme getting repeated over and over again because the events didn't happen, so they put a can on it then. You know, they, they cancelled it, or rather they said, we're putting this page on hiatus because there's nothing new to add, you know? It's the same jokes over and over again. Um, also, there was some elements of the jokes becoming a little bit more vicious is probably the best way to describe it in terms of uh, how spicy they were being. Yep. And we're not talking like good spice, we're talking pretty much uh, very, very bad spice. So put a pause on the page during the pandemic. It came back for like a week then, if I want to recall correctly, at the end of 20, because they were like, you can have a free week of posting. And then it went down again, and then it came back again for another week, which was the, the final hoorah week, which was the decision that Empire Memes was basically too toxic um, to continue in the current format. And there's a lot of stuff on there that would be could be misconstrued. There's a lot of stuff that may have had an intentional sort of reason behind it that may have been a little bit too bad. And also, with a new player base coming in that were interested, Dank Empire memes was obviously going to set a wrong impression to them, which is kind of why I feel it got uh, no nerfed or nuked is probably the better way to describe it. Uh, just like the collies on Bravo. Sorry, that's a... a been playing a lot of foxhole today that's uh exactly what happened we got fucking nuked um yeah yeah rip f and chat f and chat for the colleagues oh that's a shame man like, i remember the early day stuff it was really like uh, when i just walk you know like any meme page you just walk in like uh like ten lord of the rings that kind of stuff back in back yeah. in the day you're like oh wow this is great bowmaster wow that's really funny and then uh you know a year later when it's the like you said same joke like well this is uh this is less good now. Also, yeah, just exactly. meme pages on Facebook in general, like it's a it's a dying platform. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, it's it gets old. It's the same as you said. You quite quite, uh, quite summarized it quite well. It's the Bowmaster meme. It's it's funny once or twice, three times okay. Maybe you might get a chuckle from me when I'm slightly tipsy, uh, but. Uh, and you've seen the sixth meme about, like, say, uh, they're taking the hobbits oh, to Wising card, yeah, something like that. In, but in an empire format, you just go, No, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And then obviously, you get the edgy stuff on there, which doesn't really help. So, yeah, when you're done, done with the main line, go for the edge. Yep, Matt, there we have it. The, 
the, the very logical rise and fall of Dank Empire memes. There we go. Internet historian right there. Alright, uh, next up we've got <laughs> actual legends. And the first is the Hedge Knight. So, okay. right, I think I know the Hedge Knight, so I'm going to go for it. And I want you to correct me at the end and score me out of 10. So, the Hedge Knight, so the tale goes, is a legendary player of Empire LARP. Said knight decided to buy... Well, they wanted to uh, attend Anvil, of course. And they were going to uh, pick up all... The idea was to buy and pick up all of the stuff that they wanted to use at the event. So your tent armor clothes that kind of thing so anyway the uh the hedge knight was going to buy all of their stuff on site what they do instead however is they go down to the lovely traders for lion anvil streets and spy this beautiful set of armor very shiny intricately detailed and of course very expensive now at this point the dear hedge knight has not purchased a tent, warm clothing, some even say shoes. But so smitten and struck by the beauty of the suit of armour, the hedge knight decided to spaff all of their hard-earned currency on said suit of armour. Walking around like a glorious dustbin, they looked regal, sublime, perfect. That was until course night falls the ale is drunk the fires go out and it's time to go to bed when you haven't got a bed what are you to do well when you spent all your cash on your suit of armor you might as well expand the remit of said suit of armor perhaps now it's a tent and a set of thermal clothing and what's this a hedge i guess i'll just sleep here and so the hedge knight slept in the hedge, much to their own detriment. And I think they were fundamentally okay, but I think they got fished out in the morning or they staggered out in the morning and they were just covered in you know, the generic cartoon stuff like twigs, branches, some leaves, that kind of stuff, because they'd literally spent a night in a ditch. So drunk, but they didn't really mind. They slept it off and, and, and that was that. That is the tale as I understand it. Am I wrong? You have proportions of the tale right. Oh. Uh, so, general gist. Now I will be uh, the the fact to your fiction. Uh, not that's a bit rough actually, to be honest. And Ouch! I physically hurt <laughs> by that. Immediately so, pulled so the, the individual in question was an individual who came to Empire. Um, after purchasing a nice big shiny kit of uh, lovely plate, this individual had decided, however, that they didn't need um, a tent, they didn't need clothing, they didn't need bedding, etc., because they were actually going to go as a hedge knight. So they their intention was to actually turn up and sleep in a hedge, like, oh, a, no like way. a typical hedge knight. Oh, fuck's they, sake. They failed, however, to realise that the majority of LARP-based plate armour is, you know, steel, more corrosive, uh, basically a, a, a material that will rust 
So they got this lovely, lovely piece of like, I think the total tally was, the estimates vary, but I think it was well to a grand or more that the total armor set cost. Oh, Christ. And they, you know, did the typical thing. They, uh, they said, I'm going to be a hedge knight. I've got my cloak. I've got the ground. I'll do it. They uh, went and found a hedge, got up the next morning, and their entire beautiful armor was pitted because of the uh, moisture in the air and from how they slept. So oh, yeah, that's that, rough. That's it. And they didn't realize that. That's the that's the crux of it as well. They didn't realize that their armor was going to get pitted or you know rusted, damaged from being oh. exposed and due to the exposure in the air, which was is part of lack of wisdom and just general ah well it's almost it's like not... people don't sleep in hedges because it's not a good idea for a variety of reasons must Rusting. have not been very nice you know yeah like it's it's kind of hardcore I, I there's a small bit of appeal in that idea of being hardcore enough to have a hedge build right but you know larp is larp's like a holiday it's fun that just does that just sounds like a terrible end way to end your night. Yeah, it's it's uh it's not great. Like I wouldn't wanna do that. It's bad it's bad enough sometimes in April with how cold it gets, right? I mean this year mm. in that LARP, for instance, in April, I went to bed on the Friday night like ten o'clock because I was not feeling well. Like and if I wasn't feeling well and I had to sleep under a hedge I probably wouldn't be speaking to you right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah, I'm checking out. <laughs> yeah, I'm Off to Milkeen's be... A&E, here I go. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Rough. Does Hedge Knight still attend without naming names, or...? I, I don't believe so. It's just a it's just a name or one of the well-known stories of Empire. Man. Unfortunately, I don't know if this player continues to come. If they do continue to come, I presume they've presumably or hopefully invested in the tent. Yeah. Pissing themselves against the elements. Perhaps not the best idea. Hmm. Alright, that's a, that's a shit time to be a piece of plate armour. Uh, mm. The next one on my list is also shit related. Uh, shit in the fire pit. I don't know anything no. about this. Tell me more. No, this is a traditional this is a traditional Navari tale. <laughs> um, I'm not joking, it really is. Uh, so, Navarre has a very distinctive fire pit, for those who don't know, if you're any of the post-national sort of listeners from outside of Navarre, we do have a very nice fire pit. It was crowdfunded by the Navarre nation as a whole. It's this lovely sort of interworked, locked uh, orb or globe-shaped fire pit. Uh, once it was purchased, however, and once it came to the anvil field, something darish happened one night. Some dastardly sort of thing happened and it actually happened in the one prior to it as well and then the second actual occurrence happened in this new fire pit so one morning we're all sitting around or rather getting up in the morning and a horrendous cry comes out of someone has shat in the fire pit you think oh well it's clearly <laughs> not the case you know it's just like Something, something's happened, you know, someone's making up some joke, so maybe maybe it's someone shat in someone else's fire pit. Nah, no. This is this is in the national fire pit. So you go over to the national fire pit sitting in this lovely circle in the in the woods, and there is a nice big number two inside the fire pit. Oh man. And but like this yeah. is early morning. 
Like, oh, this is this is this is like eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning, where everyone's getting up again after the night before. Oh Christ! So you know, this 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 occurrence has probably happened at some time between like two and f- two and six, two and seven in the morning. <laughs> so someone's tactically gone there at this hour. And the second time, when it when is the globe fire pit is even more concerning because the fire pit that night before was on till like three. It's it's a cons- like a semi-contained circle of metal, and someone managed to shit inside it, which means that someone had to put their bare ass against metal that has been basically cooked for like several hours that <laughs> night, and somehow angled themselves in without touching any of this to ensure that they didn't get scorched, and then proceeded to go, which obviously then elicits another heroic cry of someone has shat in the fire pit. And it's now just become a sort of, you know, like, you curse something, you know, like, shit the bed. It's effectively just shit the pit now in some <laughs> Navari circles, because, you know, That's why not? nuts. It's a heroic, heroic time at Empire. I, I believe it's also happened in other national pits as well. Uh, it must be the same person. Yeah, it must be. The phantom shitter at Anvil rises again. Like, yeah. I I can't confirm if it's happened to the orc one or not, but I prob I'm about ninety percent certain it may have been done at one point in the moot fire pit because of how big it is. But then again, it's quite exposed. In the Navar woods, you've got a bit of coverage. So yeah, like that thing, like this, in inside our songs and stories circle, you know, there's space for like a hundred people there. It is an exposed area, let alone mm. the audacity you need to do it in the first place. Let alone the the incredible fine motor skills you need to not get scorched yet still angle it because this this pit imagine it like a like a sphere right it is basically a sphere but on the mm. side and there's cutouts around a tree so as the light comes out and there's a, a silhouetted navari-esque tree it's there's not that much space around it you've yeah. uh, you've got to like you know i'm imagining like i'm what five ten five eleven i'm imagining myself bent forwards like to comfort to comfortably get a turd in there I'd like squat down a couple of inches and like arch my back so it's convex, not concave. And no, sorry, um, yeah, yeah, concave. Sorry, concave is say convex. And you know, I'd need a lot of force behind it, like a lot. Like, uh, I've just had you know a, a cup of coffee and a bowl of cereal or a pretty spicy curry kind of force. That's incredible. I'm, I'm sat here in, in awe. That is, I could be thinking about the logistics of that every single time I walk past that, that fire pit. Yeah. Shit the pit. One of the, one of the greatest stories that's ever happened. The one that I can personally validate at least one of the attempts as well, which is semi-sick, semi but also just because I actually heard the person scream it and then actually went to examine it, and it was funny. I found it, I found it humorous. A lot of people didn't. <laughs> Was this like late at night or? Oh no, this was in the morning when they uh when it was basically the individual one of the individuals who no longer attends Empire, uh, in one of the big people in the Navarre Fire uh, Camp was the one to discover it and basically balked out. <laughs> I think it was about half eight in the morning uh, oh, no. when everyone's still semi asleep. Just screamed out, "Someone is shit in the fire pit!" And that oh, was no. uh, yeah, that's how I found about it. And I went and had a look, and I went. Yep, someone has, and then went back to my business. <laughs> and when you say your business, you're not telling me. 
but no, you're the I'm phantom not, shitter. I, I am not the phantom shitter. I went back and made coffee because you know I needed uh, to actually help my bowel movements out. <laughs> I, again, not inside. The not pit. inside the pit. No. <laughs> this was back before I actually hate, ate healthy, so coffee was my main way. But that's yeah. TMI, and let's move on. Yeah, the uh, coffee is is universal. Don't worry, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, another shit-related story: the tactical shit. No, so if knows a, about tactical shits. If a bear shits in the wood, does anybody notice? Uh, who knows? But if a certain player <laughs> shits in the wood in the middle of a battle, does anybody notice out of the thousand or so people on said battlefield? I believe I the answer think... is no. I don't think so, no. I think I, I've heard like several people, well, I've heard from several different people about seeing some people like piss on the battlefield. Like it's it's imaginable, especially with guys and how. Oh, oh yeah, I, I, oh yeah. yeah. I, I'm taking a tactical whiz. Yeah, that that's yeah. You know, like, like you said, logistics are that easy. It's quick. You number can force two. it out, and you're done. But like the number two, like yeah, there's a clean up operation with that. It's a bit longer. Like personally, just to overshare, you know, I I have a book of Sudoku's on my toilet mm. system, and I sit there and I'll do one, and it'll take me anywhere between five and fifteen minutes, right? And that's calm and relaxed time. A battlefield is not calm or relaxed. There are people everywhere. I'm in layers of chainmail. I'm sweaty. It is hot. And I'm literally in danger. Like, I can't imagine a worse scenario to try and force out a turd. So, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how on Supreme earth you could, like... Supreme barrel movements, that's how. Yeah. Just, if you got to go, you've really got to go. I mean, yeah. It's the one thing. I mean, I've, I've heard secondhand that it's happened. I would not assume otherwise. As in, I would assume that some people probably have done it. Because uh, human beings, after all. Yeah. I mean, we know someone has done it, but uh, when they came back and said, oh, I just went for a ship, I just thought they were joking. I just thought they were joking. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. The, mo the more I I've learned so much tonight. It's incredible. So, um, uh... Moving on, have you have you got a plus one for Gym Club? Yeah, I've totally got a plus one for Gym Club, Reese. Absolutely. Absolute when we get myth. there, we're absolutely not both of us. Sorry, both of us are absolutely not going to get turned away. Absolute myth. There's no such thing as plus one for Gym Club. Yeah. There's no such thing as an actual invite to Gym Club. The number of people who go said they've been invited by other people. And you're not getting in. You're just not <laughs> getting in. Unless you have a hat, you're not getting in. All right, I... I... I think, uh, I think, yeah, you, you would have that element of it's not, you're not getting in without a hat, but I'm pretty sure you can get in either way, I've been told. It's, there's other methods, but, you know, it's never been really that interesting to me. Yeah, like, you know, like anywhere, there, if there's a wheel, there's a way. There's a flap, there's a trap, all that stuff. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gin Club is actually relatively hard to get into. Yeah. Because well, it's I mean, not like you can get in and just hang out there unnoticed. You go in got to talk to the fucking bartender you've got to talk to the other people in there who will not know who you are so mm. yeah it'll also just be a shit time for you to be honest if uh you're not one of the movers and shakers because you won't understand what the hell is going on well, i mean a lot of it's probably gossip uh, gossiping from what i've been told so yeah don't don't take it as a pinch of salt i think you know it's just it's just high high quality ball gowning or high like echelon ball gowning yeah. So I'm just salty I haven't been invited. <laughs> ah well. As you said, there's 
just try the world harder. as a way. Just, uh, just try and be nicer and try and be happier. No. And eventually they'll take pity on you for being so happy. And they'll let you in. <laughs> yeah. Um, tragic backstory. Yeah. And uh, make loads of friends, perhaps. No, friend and friend. Friend, friend? and friend. Friend, friend. And friend and friend. And friend. Yeah. Up and down. The friendship cult. Yeah, the friendship cult. Um, so, as far as I'm aware, this is basically over. Um, it's been... <sighs> it... it people still refer to it but the actual culty elements of it it got i think it got inquisited at one point the inquisition got involved with the person who used to run it and of course yeah. it was proven to be you know the shit post that it is and well nothing nothing really came of it it's definitely less popular now but like it's it's seeped into background anvil knowledge you can still go to uh the friendship cult thing. I mean, it's still open on certain nights of uh, Anvil because I definitely attended at least one of them in the uh, in 2022. Mm. As in one of the you people just turn up and everyone's like chatting with each other inside the Senate after the Senate session's done, and then you someone enters and someone screams "new friend," and then the entire <laughs> chorus erupts of friend and friend, friend and friend, friend and friend, and and yeah, it continues. It's kind of like it's gone from the like really weird stuff and i know because i participated in some of the really weird stuff yep. to like the mundane and i think that's fine for it to be honest because it is sort of like an icy shit post it's like a bunch of people thinking what can we do that isn't a cult that could be conceived as a cult just to wind people up and that is exactly what the friendship cult does mm. Because uh, we did the whole dagger situation, I remember back in like 2019 when it first became a real thing. We started, we got inducted into the Friends and we were running around in the Val Woods at like 2am with daggers. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, people were interested in that, uh, yeah. to say the least. Proper culty stuff. Anything going on at 2am in the woods is not kosher. Well, it's technically time out, but yeah, it's not kosher either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see daggers, you've actually got yourself, you know, 30 centimetre steel daggers. You actually, <laughs> <laughs> it's that dagger lot save. Well, find out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the woods are sometimes a not kosher place, which is uh, does lead us on to the story of the theft of the singing stone. Mm, I know almost, I know the rock because I saw it near the baked goods stand on the entry yes. to Navarre. And that's all I know of it because it disappeared. And that's so, it. And so it wasn't me. It wasn't me, dear listeners. I did not do it. Well, it's good. It's good it wasn't you. So, the uh, singing stone, as it was called, was an artifact. And there's very few of them in terms of lore. Um, I won't bore you with the fluff. It is a magical item that is really unique to Navarre. It does a very unique purpose, and it was there for, to do that unique purpose. The unique purpose in question was just that it allowed uh, Navarre to cast one ritual, dependent, didn't matter which coven you were in, it could be cast. So, like, you could do one massive ritual of that one ritual without any coven things. Okay. Mechanics. So, it, there was a legitimate reason for it. Um, said item was a obelisk, roughly about three to four feet high. Um, but it had the icy notion that it required four people to move it at the same time, just because of just how heavy it was. It's so, you know, there's an icy re it's, a, it's a big carved rock. However, during one fabled night during Songs and Storytime, it was 
it was discovered that an illicit band of individuals had actually come up, picked up the rock while songs and story time was going on, and just walked off with the with the artifact. Supposedly, <laughs> no one really saw what happened, which is just a massive lack of vigilance, which is also pretty hilarious. Out like a hundred stone... people, right? Yeah, we were like a hundred people, but the stone was stolen, and it was subsequently got rid of. We know what the plot is now. We know there's been some resolution to that plot, but like, yeah, it's gone. <laughs> so, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, you just imagine. It's gone. That... What do you mean? It's just gone. <laughs> it's just gone. That's the easiest way to describe it. Uh, but can you imagine the theft of the singing stone was a massive scandal? Like, at least in Navarre, because it's like, how could you? How could you miss a four-person carried rock being lifted up and out? Like, <laughs> Easily, as as we have demonstrated, <laughs> as has been demonstrated, yes. But uh, thus is the story, and that's a legitimate story. It's one of the one of the greatest things about Anvil is stuff like that happens, and you can experience it then, or you could be, you know, secondary eyewitness to it, or you could be, you could have been there at the time when the singing stone was stolen and didn't realize it. And there are no eyewitnesses because anybody would have stopped it. <laughs> <laughs> well. That's the problem when you get too drunk around the song, song and story circle. Yeah, people just actively helping each other steal artifacts. Yeah. Man, rip, rip singing stone. Um, no, the, we'll get another one. Yeah, I guess like when it comes to like crime around Anvil, I I'd like to think I'm relatively an expert. Um, yeah, some things have always been illegal, like ah, oh, you know, what about toilet murders, that kind of stuff. Uh, that steal the singing stone, you know, Navarre won't mind. And then, of course, everyone's favourite drug, bite. Oh my god, are we doing bite? Oh wow, they've got some bite. Hey dude, you want to buy some bite? Like, bite was, uh, if you didn't know, and if you didn't know, you need to seriously reass- you know, reassess your life. Um, bite is a narcotic. It originated in the league, and it's, people treat it like it's crack, or like coke or something. Like, they, it's really desirable, it's really fun, it's going to make you feel amazing. It makes you hyper, hyper aggressive. Like, it is just, you know, like the uh, 28 Days Later Rage Virus in crystalline salt form. It doesn't give you any buffs. It just makes you fucking mad. And everyone goes nuts for it just because it's illegal. It's like, yeah, I've, I, I don't, I don't, I see the appeal because it's illegal. I don't see the appeal for the mechanics. Um, but anyway, it's, it's yeah. ah, yeah, rant time. It has been pretty much pulled out of circulation. I think there's literally one player character who gets some in their pack because we can't brew it, and they get like five to ten doses each season. That's it. It's if people say, "Oh, hey, do you want to go do some bite?" or "Oh, let's go score some bite," it's just not going to happen. It's a myth. It's not going to happen. An individual who uh, has happened to have done some bite in their time, uh, presumably on pre previous characters you can't prove nothing um yeah it, it, as you said it's just, it is just a not that not it's only a roleplay effect so yeah your only reason for taking it is just to experience the roleplay effect or act off it which is kind of fun i mean it is yeah it, it it's it's fun it gets you to step out and do some random crap and then you get potentially caught for doing bite but uh yeah they take it it's, really seriously um it's I guess it's almost like a status thing because it's like, hey, I've got something that's well, categorically if, illegal in if my you hands. Know, uh, if you want to know something that's actually uh, 
hundred percent in in this is you can look this up on the uh, wiki as well, so it's not like private knowledge. Um, it costs the empire, and this means it costs the senate twenty five thrones a season to combat fight. <laughs> so if you imagine that the senate gets like five hundred thrones a season to you know divvy out, deal with things, pay oh, things. Five percent of the budget is spent in the war on crimes. So no, war no, on no, drugs. Yeah, just I was a hypothetical. I don't know the actual tenant. Mm. Uh, the amount that goes into the master dimension gets processed through, but you can imagine that that X amount of sum of whatever is given to the civil service or what is left over has to come out to combat fight. So, I mean, there's an RP element to it. There's also an RP element of why do we why do we just kill all of the funding that is used to combat fight and just let people have fight? It saves the empire twenty five throws a season. <laughs> <laughs> we can use that money to fund the recovery hostel for them. Yeah, which would only toss 10 thrones a season, thus saving money. Dance ideas, addicts. <laughs> I, I think that would be some interesting roleplay, um, having like addicts on the streets of Anvil. Like, I, I've always thought about um, putting like having a blanket on the floor. Like Some people, in, I, I live in London, if you didn't know. I know you do, Reese, but it's for the others. Um, what, what can sometimes happen is you do, obviously there's, you know, there's a lot of homeless people here, and uh, you know, some of them really do need help, but then on, whenever there's genuine human plight, there is always those who will profiteer off it. And uh, some gangs get people to kind of um, disguise themselves, or they might have the, the classic one is having a blanket over the uh, over their legs, and uh, just just in a way so it makes it look like it's it's severed or removed, but it's not. And I feel like I felt like doing something relatively similar in Anvil would be interesting, like. Pretending to be a, a penniless war veteran, you know, looking you know, looking for charity, that kind of thing, and just seeing how people would react to that, because you don't see any, because we're all relatively rich people in Anvil, right? You don't see any representation of poverty, because it's it's pretty. You have to spend a lot on sweets and beer to uh, to get to that state, but like there's there's no sort of idea of destitution, or I, I guess you could have refugees from the fronts, that kind of thing. And I just think it would be really interesting to see on the street of Anvil, outside Moorish, someone with a little cup begging for rings. And then, profiteer off human plight and turn that into a scam. Naturally. Well, there's, there's always the um, one thing just to sort of, uh, sort of turn back to it a little bit, is that uh, playing a beggar or NPC character just kind of like sort of put down if that makes sense because you meant to be a big hero even if you're not really a big hero it's the idea of you shouldn't really be playing yeah. that sort of thing which i think is the reason why we don't see as many beggar characters we see on the um because they kind of push that sort of mentality of you should be playing someone who owns a resource because if you've got a military unit you know you can do this there's no mm -hmm. mechanic in the game to say you've got no resource well there is if you not. lose um territory conquest like uh, in yeah, spiral still... for example yeah, you still keep it. It's just you get a massive penalty to your resource generation. Yeah, and you you know you could. Re I think you lose. You have, I think sometimes you lose all of it. Like in, is mm. the Aphidon a hundred percent loss? No, it's no, not. It's not. It's like fifty percent. Yeah, it's it's still pretty steep. It's, but... it's steep. But you still earn something, and it's more than what the average person would still earn. Mm. Which is like kind of the 
like threshold level. I mean, this is not the not the <laughs> talk discussion about economics <laughs> at Anvil because I could go on for fucking hours. So, uh, but yeah, plus one to Gin Club doesn't really exist. <laughs> yeah, that was that, going back to that. You'll uh, you'll never be poor enough to be a beggar or rich enough to get into Gin Club. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the key message. Um, so yeah, bite. Uh, we the next the next are all grouped together, and I'll 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 start with what they are, and then a little story about it. So, uh, knife fighting. Um, Navari, we like knives. There used to be a knife fight club, uh, in the Senate building after, uh, Senate had finished, but this was replaced with Senate Motions, which is a dance club, which is much more wholesome and, I'd say, complementary to the finery of Anvil than what was happening before. I think OC as well, it's because people were fighting when drunk. It just caused a lot of problems for PD, so they just shut it down. Yeah. Short, short, simple story there. Um, but when it comes to knives and dual wielding knives and anything edgy in that department, you get assassins. And my point here is going to be the assassins guild. I have heard so many fucking people talk about the assassins guild, like it's some secretive institution that's very exclusive and hard to get into yet ignoring the fact that every ulfric wolfric and bjorn talks about it like you're talking about your sunday roast like it's it's it, it baffles me that the people who profess to be in it are often the ones telling you that they're in it rather than you confronting them about it and the reason this is relevant to knives is that all of them will have at least two daggers up to six in my experience and they will hold them in a reversed grip if threatened. Um, and for anybody who has listening, who anybody, yeah, words are hard. For anybody who is listening, holding a dagger in a reverse grip and trying to fight with it is is semi pointless. It is. I'm talking about you've got the blade. Uh, you're holding it in your hand, kind of like like an ice pick, but then you angle it so that it's almost parallel uh, to your forearm, and that is like trying to slash someone with a backhanded reverse grip dagger strike. It's just so difficult. It is so difficult. Let alone doing that without getting hit back. It's uh it's wild. So uh, regardless, the assassins think it's very cool to fight like this, and uh, you know, inspired by anime, pop culture, that kind of stuff, um, where you know, it works for them because they're superhumans. But the uh, the number of daggers they have on them is part of the story where uh essentially me and my friend uh Tapol, we went to see the octopus in the brass coast if you're not aware this is a play i i've heard it mentioned plenty but i haven't seen it actually being played for years i don't know if it's still active or not but uh as, as you can guess by the name it's a rather lewd but hilarious play about an octopus with willies for tentacles and uh, the various escapades it gets up to now, as we're watching this <laughs> this theatrical masterpiece play out in front of our eyes, I, uh, I spot someone across from us, a, uh, a shadowy figure, let's say, sat in the front row, don't get me wrong. Uh, they have their black hood, uh, black jacket, black trousers and black boots. The hood is up, despite us being indoors. The jacket is sleeveless, and they have two knives sheathed at their waist. Now, tap. My friend Tadpole and I say, Tad, I bet you 
four crowns. But he's got at least six daggers. And uh, of course, Tadpole is a little bit confused at first. He goes, sorry, what? What do you mean? Who? Where? A point out said, Assassin's Guild member. That's that's what I say. I just say Assassin. And then he gets it. And he goes, nah, there's not six. There's, well, he's got two. I reckon he's got one in the boot. And then this is the point where he gets unsure of himself. He puts his hand on his chin, goes into deep thought. It's like, hmm. Well, those are the three I can see. But he's, what if he's got another two on his back? Or there's one in his other boot? Or he's got like a thigh strap one underneath him? And at the end, he, he, takes, up, he takes up the bet. But he's not entirely sure he's going to win it anymore. So anyway, as, as the interlude rocks around, we, uh, we've had a few drinks at this point. We, uh, we call out said assassin and go, Oi, you, in the black, with the knives. Catching the attention of most of the people in this uh, theatre. And we say, uh, how many knives have you got on you? Asking for a friend. <laughs> so uh, he, he's confused, we reiterate it, and he, he slowly pulls out to its waist. Then the one in his boot. <laughs> I just look him dead in the eye and just go, come on, I know you've got more than that. <laughs> and at this point, he just looks to, he looks down in shame and pulls out two other knives. He's got another one in his other boot, and then he's got one sheathed behind him. Uh, you know those belts where you can have like a, a lateral knife? Um, yeah. Just like stashed basically on his on his coccyx. That's, uh, that's where he had it. And he pulled it out. Wasn't quite the six I needed to win the bet, but it's very close. But it was just when, like, this player knew, like, ah, oh, damn it, the, the, look, the look is a bit too much. And uh, being called out for being an assassin and uh, being full of shit, full of daggers. And yeah, that's how I lost four crown. Uh, that was a lot of money for me back in the day. Took me took me a long time to recover. But uh, yeah, assassins, assassin archetypes, assassin look, assassin fighting style, and of course, assassin knives. Um, myth. Legend. I don't even. I don't really know what the point was for that. I think the point in terms of there's no legends about it because it doesn't work. There's certainly a anvil story there. It, I guess the myth that it even exists. I'm I'm sure the Assassins Guild exists technically. I'm sure at least thirty of them do. But an actual centralized Assassins Guild that genuinely takes out hits. I I don't think that exists. I just don't. Thoughts. <laughs> it's a lot of thoughts to that sort of statement. So, uh, Night Fight Club, I can get into because I experienced it in Once Apart while I actually went and did it for a little bit before it got canned. Uh, but staying on the Assassin's Guild sort of situation, I mean, it's the it's the crux of any edgy character at the end of the day. If you wanna, if you're really new to LARP and you haven't done a lot of stuff like this. What what's what's more cooler than being an assassin, right? Mm. You know, it's it's the childhood dream for many. Like I grew up playing Assassin's Creed. I'm pretty sure as a twelve or thirteen year old, I probably wanted to be an assassin at some point. You know, dreams a dream. A dream. Uh, reverse gripping daggers. Yeah, that's just that's just uh, science. That's pretty much science fiction at this point. I mean, there's probably like one. There's. I think they confirm there's like one or two, only one or two uses that it's kind of good to have your daggers like that, and they're very very limited. Like in a, in a main up fight, you just you might as well just have the daggers pointing forward and out. Mm. Um, 
more than six, same thing. Like, why would you need six daggers though? Like, and that's in the Navari speaking, right? Go for pouches instead. Yeah. What else? Carry, like, carry some useful stuff. Yeah. Carry, oh man, carry I just this useful stuff. I I can assure you, everyone listening at home, an assassin has not hurt me in a previous life. I've never had my heart broken by one, <laughs> or encountered them on the wrong end of their knives. I just, uh, right. I don't know, it's just, I can't hate on people for having like the edgy archetype. You got to try it. You got to. Everyone's got like an edgy thing they want to try out. But uh, uh, it was, it was just so generic. It was just so generic, and like when you're, we talk a bit. We talked a bit about costume before jumping on tonight, and you know it's all aspirational, so. You know, we're, we're talking about this in regards to the hedge knight because you know you can't poo-poo someone for their kit, but the story was funny because you know spent the night in the hedge, great. But uh, the the assassin side is that outfit doesn't match any nations, right? But it does match an assassin. But then if you're an assassin, you're trying to roleplay one. Why are you sat in the theatre? It's just why are you sat there like armed to the absolute teeth, but with you know, different sizes of knives. Uh, it just, it just, it just baffled me. You know, I was sat there with my, you know, my, my, my uh, bottle of, bottle of mead. I think, just utterly baffled as to what on earth this player was doing, and uh, it yeah, stuck even to me. Assassins need R and R, right? <laughs> yeah, so, it's just... <laughs> yeah, it's just, it was just the outfit. It was just the sleeve. It was the fucking, it was the hood up indoors <laughs> and the sleeves. <laughs> just sat there. I mean, that's just, that's not even like kit bashing at that point. That's just just referring to like someone's like aesthetic choices. Yeah, like, like it was good indoors. kit. It looked like an edgy assassin. It looked really fucking edgy. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Um. Speaking of level eight knights, the final one that's the head. I guess the headline event, and we should have hinted at it at the start because no one's gonna listen to the hour and 21 minutes we've just recorded but uh <laughs> the the top news the top fox news at the moment is the the possibly the most infamous legend of the anvil field and this is the star bar orgy tent oh no he's named it i've said it now it's real so um how to, how, how best to approach this so we won't we won't talk about current events but fundamentally there has been uh you know Empire is a is a festival. It's full of adults. Adults have sex. Some adults have sex in groups. Some people organise those groups. The Star Bar Orgy Tent of Myth and Legend was one of those organised groups. Now, what's happened recently is that on a certain website called VetLife, there was someone trying to organise. Was it this? Was it the same group or was it a separate I'm, I... group? I'm going to assume, uh, to the best of my knowledge, it was not the same group. And I'm going to assume it was just some really kinky people on online who were just very interested in potentially doing stuff for Empire. Because at the end of the day, there's, a, there's usually a good crossover between these sorts of people. Yeah. Uh, so, we'll, we'll, for the benefit of the doubt, I won't say that they are related to them. I'm just going to say that there were some particularly horny individuals who were con content or potentially going to be organizing an orgy at Empire sometime in 2023 <laughs> and it somehow got passed to Matt Pennington uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which resulted in the probably the greatest PR post I've ever seen from uh, 
<laughs> from yeah, from that beach, yeah. Because <laughs> it was posted on Fat Life of all places. Yeah, that's the thing. So like, <laughs> and he even signed it off the same way, and it's just like, oh, this is classic. Yeah, and um, just just the idea of Matt P being on there, <laughs> like he sees this crop up and he's like, oh no 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 no, this is not happening here. I think his his argument was uh. To be, like, to be fair to Matt, he, he he's usually very good at explaining his point, but I found it a little bit unclear on the post. But it was very, very clear that fundamentally he didn't want that thing being organised and done at his well, event. It, was, it wasn't not that. It was more the same thing of we organise Empire to be a LARP event that you turn up and go to. And this is the point of the event. It's not you don't come here to have an orgy, right? Yeah. That's, that's no uncertain terms, that's what he said. It's, and he does use a very good explanation of a point of you wouldn't want to set up an orgy and to go on and then us turn up with LARP swords and start hitting everyone, which I actually howled at the first time I read. It's <laughs> yeah. just the mental image. Um, <laughs> but he also didn't say that he was against those events being ran by people, just not at Empire as in the field. Like he it's does state in the post that he's quite happy for events like that to go on in an Anvil Empire setting as long as they're appropriately advertised and not done at the mainline event. Yeah, so, so having a player yeah. event that's just an orgy is on yeah, the cards. Yeah, is 100% legal. <laughs> you probably won't get sanctioned, but you know, would you really want to go, hi, I just attended a sanctioned orgy. Uh, <laughs> Which is the one comment of um, the, the best, one of the best things that come from us is Matt P has sanctioned the shag, which is just an absolute <laughs> killer of a line. Like, uh, yeah, as said, like, Starbot Orgy Tent, don't know if it's related. I've heard, we've always heard rumors of the Swinger Tents on M Empire. It's a tale as old as time. Like, doesn't matter if it was them, doesn't matter whoever was the one organizing it, but yeah. I think yes. uh, you know it's a festival. It does have a place, whether it's you know organised like that, and whether you turn up literally to do that, it's just it's probably more convenient to do it somewhere more local to you than lugging yourself to a campsite for a weekend, buying a whole LARP costume just to take it off. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I know I've been doing it for seven years and I've not managed it once. <laughs> oh man, oh, it's okay. Oh. Yeah, so, I've got space in my tent. We can we can oh, make our own thanks. friendship orgy tent. Where oh, we're just yeah. really positive about each other. <laughs> oh yeah. Well. Oh yeah. If you're gonna be bad at you can. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna be bad at it, you might as well be positive about it. Precisely. Yeah. And uh, I guess the final note on the orgy tent is um, I did. I've got a uh, a friend of a friend, a very good friend of a very very good friend, let's say, um, okay. who did confirm that they were invited to said tent and to take part. So, it is definitely a legend. It is not a myth. Uh, the orgy tent does exist. Can you ask that friend of a friend for me to get me an invite? I could. I could. Excellent. I will finally become one of the big players and you'll attend Gin Club after this. <laughs> you're going to talk to Gin Club. It's never about the Gin Club invite. It's about the stamp cards you've got from the various orgy tents. Exactly. <laughs> Gin Club is just another layer of orgy. It's, but... it's not about going to Gin Club. It's about sending a message. <laughs> And um, yeah, that's, that's a good segue onto the final point as we reach the hour and a half mark. Um, 
the point, the message we really wanted to hammer home after this ludicrous podcast um, was the final myth of Anvil. And that is, I'm going to be really bad at this. In reality, when you think you're going to be bad at something, you're probably wrong. You're probably going to be pretty good at it, actually. Anvil is all about getting people to get up, do something, step a little bit outside your comfort zone, and do the thing. And if you've got brain weasels jumping around saying, hey, you're not going to do this, you're going to be bad. What about all the other people who could do this so well? They all started off in exactly the same place as you, having no clue, and just having a stab at it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm not, I'm not as... Well, if we take what I was back when I first started LARP, I was 100% less confident in actually going out and doing LARP. I'd say the first year that I spent playing Empire, I was pretty much a background character who wouldn't speak to anyone other than the people I would be attending, and now I can pretty much approach anyone and speak to them. Mm. You just gotta try it, and you find out that you're actually probably better in it, or you're at least passable. But that's the one thing. Like, if you find out you're passable, you're like, oh, I can actually do it. And then you continue to try at it, and you get better at it. Yeah. So, what's the worst going to happen at a event you pay to go to and do that? No one's going to turn around after you say speak to them and then kick the living shit out of you. They just probably pass you off, like you mentioned earlier. You just go, "I'm not really that interested, sorry," and you go about your daily business otherwise. Yeah, I've never seen a kicking, uh, <laughs> a kicking go on after um, any kind of speech. It's no. always, uh, yeah, it's always very positive. But yeah, but yeah, there we go. An hour and a half of the myths, stories, and legends of Anvil. Um, there are more. There are many. If you want to write in and let me know about some, please do. Um, or if you want to jump on the podcast itself and tell me about them, I'd be very interested to hear the stories because I know there's so much worse out there. The night is dark and it's full of terrors. <laughs> but until next time, have a very pleasant evening. And from me and Reese, goodbye. Goodbye.